Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. My buddies and I are headed up there in a couple of weeks. It's finally getting closer. I cannot wait. The Macklemore is a beautiful community resort and golf course just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee on Lookout Mountain. Folks, go online to themacklemore.com and check out what a wonderful golf course and other amenities they have for you up there. The new clubhouse and bar opened up last fall. Folks, you got to see this place to believe how great it is. The golf course is co-designed by our friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones and another friend in PGA Tour, Caddy Kip Henley, said outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed, oh, by the way, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why all of them are saying that by checking out the course and the resort online at themacklemore.com. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade and their TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw? Check. Low fade? Check. Bump and run? Out of the sand? Flop shot? Guess what? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them than them all, and that's a new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it high over the trees, under, or even through them, hit TP5 or TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online by going to tailormadegolf.com for more information. All right, now next on the tee with me is Keith Jarvis. Keith has been a teaching professional and had a playing career that spans almost 30 years. He's taught here in the U.S., plus over in Japan and Mexico. He was a lead instructor for ESPN's golf schools back in 2006 when Hank Haining was the dean of instruction. He's taken lessons from Hank and attended his Teach the Teacher sessions. He hosted a golf school here in Atlanta with Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett, who are the founders of the Stack and Tilt Swing. Keith was the head golf pro and director of instruction at the Heritage Golf Club here in Atlanta. He is now a Golf Channel Academy lead instructor up in New Jersey. He is also a certified U.S. kids coach, and I'm excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Keith, how are you, my friend? Thanks for coming back on the show. Excited to be here. Hey, Keith, I want to start our time tonight. We got to we got to start with the unbelievable PGA Championship. What'd you think about what you saw on Sunday? Well, I'll tell you what, it was something else. You know, you just when you when you talk about the best players in the world, in my opinion, I think what you have to realize is that you can never count them out. You just don't know what somebody has inside of them and what they can do. Right? It's like you hear all this talk about. All these guys have these ambitions to play on the tour, and they have so many people around them that say, "Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how many people make it out of a out of a million, out of a thousand, whatever?" There's so many naysayers, but you take a guy like Mickelson or Tiger or or you know any of the best players in the world, nobody knows what they can do at any given moment. Everybody counted Tiger out for a long time. He comes back and wins the Masters. Everybody thinks Mickelson, well, he's won a couple times on the Champions Tour, but, you know, he's too old to do any more than that. He likes to stay competitive and stay out there on the regular tour, but who would have ever thought? And I'll tell you what, it's a hard game, and you're on or you're not. And when you're not, it's even harder. And to see Mickelson just go in there and just dominate from day to day, whether you want to call it domination or not, (laughs) he was in the lead. So it was tough. I mean, you could see the scores weren't high. Everybody was struggling. And I'll tell you what, the guys that aren't used to what Phil Mickelson is used to being a six-time major champion now, 
they're the ones that fell off, not Phil. It was amazing. So, Keith, where where do you think this win ranks for you amongst the all-time great victories that uh, that you've had an opportunity to either watch or read about? Well, I'll tell you, I've seen a lot in person, and, I, and I've obviously read a lot, and I, I love to follow the majors most of the time, honestly. Like, I block my calendar off on Friday, Saturday, Sunday for all the majors so I can stay home and watch them. This one, I didn't get to do that so much, but. Um, I would have to rank it really, really high considering, you know, he's the oldest major champion ever. So that just goes to show you what can be done, right? What can be done? It's a, you know what? I'm going through this, I, I hate, I'm going through this course with, uh, Pia, uh, and Lynn, Vision 54. And one of their big things is about the possibilities, man. What are the possibilities? You know? And evidently, yeah, Bill so- just thought. He thought it was a so possibility. So to that point, Keith. And he did it. Yeah. When you think now about possibilities, right? Whether yeah. it's in your own life, you know, or somebody else's life, but you know, one of your students' lives, whatever, right? This this shows us to your point that anything's possible, right? We've seen yeah. to your point earlier. We saw Tiger come back and win in twenty nineteen at the Masters when it looked like his yeah. career was over. We see over. Phil pull this off for those t- those yeah. folks that are my age and, and older. Obviously, the 86 yeah. Masters and Jack pulling that off. You go all the way back to 1950 and Ben Hogan after the accident and yeah. then coming back right. and, and doing what he did in his career. So we've seen yeah. through the game of golf that all kinds yeah. of things are possible. Do you take inspiration for what you just saw and now take that you know, and put that apply, like I said, to your life or your teacher or your students' lives? There's no doubt about it because sometimes, like I said, there's so many naysayers around you. Like I'm 57 now. I just turned 57 in April. And it's like, um, is my playing career over for good or are there possibilities there? You know, and you look at, at what these guys do and it's like, you know, yeah, they're, they're younger than I am, but still it's like, can it be done? I mean, nobody, this, it goes back to what I said right off. Nobody knows what's inside somebody else and what they're capable of. Nobody knows somebody else's possibilities. Now, I've I've always believed that, you know, if somebody tells you you can't do it, it's because they've probably already given up on their possibilities, right? They did whatever they had to do. They got married. They had the kids and they gave up on their dreams or whatever. And it's not even just about that. Maybe they had an awesome career where they made a lot of money. So they gave up on their dreams of doing what they really wanted to do. I read a Tim Ferriss book not too long ago called the four hour work week. And there was this lawyer that was, I think in New York city that made a lot of money. And, um, he gave it all up, moved to Brazil, started a surf school and like, and then just marketed the surf school. So you come to Brazil, they pick you up from the airport. They take you to whatever your budget is, you know, whatever you're based on your budget, where your hotel is, where you're going to stay. And, um, they know the restaurants, they know the clubs, they know everywhere to go, and they know all the hot surf spots. And he gave it all up for that. I mean, at what point do we all just say, man, I really messed this up, you know? Is it still possible right. for me to move forward? I mean, can I do it now? I don't know. Exactly. I'm reading a that where it's just like, you just have to, you have to go for it. So... Let's take a little bit, a, a detour here. I, I want to get your yeah, thoughts on the, on the four majors. 
Obviously, we just yes. watched an incredible PGA Championship. But where does the PGA Championship, amongst the four majors, where does it rank for you? Well, um, <laughs> can I say in the top four? <laughs> I, mean, you know, I know that's not fair, but um, I love each and every single one of them. If I had to pick one to win for myself, um, yeah. well, let's just say this. If I had to pick in order of the four, uh, what would I want to win? I would say the Masters, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, and PGA. So maybe it ranks yeah. fourth, but, th- but it's not fair. It's not fair to rank it there. I mean, it's a major just like any of the others. So... I think any win in any of those four is, is, uh, and I'm not going to say the word un because, um, <laughs> I've recently watched, I watched a, I watched a video not too long ago with Matthew McConaughey saying it's the stupidest word in the English language because nothing's unbelievable. It's only unbelievable if you think it's unbelievable or if you say it's unbelievable, right? It, was Phil Mickelson's championship unbelievable? No, he did it. It was, it was, incredible right so i don't know that's my ranking though i would the reason i guess i say masters is because i always wanted to see that and i moved to georgia in 91 and went to my very first masters ever and i think since 91 i've only missed seven or eight so even being up here for nine years i've been to the masters several times um it's it's god i just it's just an unbelievable (laughs) it's just an incredible experience right I've been to all of them except the Open Championship, and they're all incredible. And watching so Keith, that begs the, the question. Level, yeah. The Masters for me in Augusta National is my favorite place on the planet. It's my favorite yeah, tournament. Couldn't agree more with mine how too. you rank the tournaments, too, by the way. I'm, I would agree exactly in the same order that you, you put them. But now i got to ask you, at least the, for the first time that you went to Augusta National, what was it like for you? Was did it meet your expectations, exceed your expectations, and was it what you expected? It was more than I expected um, because I've just never been to a place like that before. And then you, you walk that back nine and you get back there on Amen Corner. It's the most incredible thing you've ever seen. And, you know, honestly, the times that I've been there recently, like, say, in the last five to ten years, we go on Wednesday for the par three. Everybody's more relaxed. And we get to do whatever we want. We do our shopping. We might go Thursday or we might go Friday, but we never go on the weekends anymore. It's just, it's just not my thing. It's too crowded, especially when you got a guy like Mickelson or Tiger or any of the big names in the lead. You just can't see anything. It's so much better to watch it at home, but I'm spoiled. I've been there so many times, you know, up here in New Jersey slash New York, they have so many major championships up here to go see. It's been incredible. Best page PGA, uh, U.S. Open at Ginny. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm spoiled, man. I've probably seen more major championships than most people, and it's it's a shame. <laughs> if, you, if you're a golfer, <laughs> good for you, my golfer, friend. If you're a golfer and you've never been to a major, like it's a bucket list. You just and everybody says, well, how do you get into it? Got it so hard, blah blah blah, and you know it can be hard. But I lived there for 25 years, so and I worked at a private club and other clubs, and I always had people give me tickets. I learned later that you could go and buy tickets for the practice round from people there and people walking out. 
Like, if you've never been to Augusta National, go on a Monday. Go on a Tuesday. The best day, in my opinion, is go on Wednesday. And you can get tickets standing outside waiting for people to come out or other people that are selling tickets. You can get tickets to those days. And if you don't get on a plane and get your butt to Augusta National and you're a golfer, you're missing out. Keith, uh, based on what you just said and all the majors that you've been to, have you ever been down to the Ocean Course? Have you seen it before? I have been there. Yeah, I was down there for the Ryder Cup. Um, I've played there a few times. Um, a pers- one of my friends that I that I'm, I don't keep in touch with much is a director of instruction. At least he was. Um, Carol Pressinger, I think you might have had her on before, right? So Carol's right. there, or at least she was there. I haven't talked to her in a while, so I don't know if she's still there. But she was there for a while, and um, it's a, it's a, it's a dream. I mean, <laughs> I, I always think that all these courses are kind of okay. And then, like, I took a, um, a team uh, to the Golf Channel Academy Pro Am to Whistling Straits. Brian Jacobs was up there, who you're going to have on later. And I'll tell you what, we flew in a day early. We went to play Aaron Hills, which everybody said, oh, don't play Aaron. It's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. It was the most incredible place I've ever been. You're just driving out in Wisconsin into, like, Dairyland, and you turn down this dirt road, and you're thinking, am I really going the right way? And then you make this turn, and then you start to pull in there, and it's like, holy cow, places, like, in the middle of nowhere. And then to top it all off, we go to – we go back to the tournament, uh, to where we were going to play the tournament at Whistling Straits. We played, um, Straits Irish the first day, of, first practice round, Straits Irish. The doc that was with me, uh, gets a hole in one on, on Sleepy and, uh, on the par three. And it's like, it's just, look guys, if you're, if you've never been to one of these courses and it doesn't matter, it could be Pebble, it could be, like, my dream right now is to go to Bandon. I've never been to Bandon. I really want to go. But if you've never been and you get a caddy and you really soak up the experience, like, it'll change your life. I mean, it'll change your life. So you, you said you were at, uh, at the Ocean Course for the, for the Ryder Cup. What was the war yeah. at the shore like as a uh, spectator? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I mean, it's just, you can't explain it, Chris, honestly. It's like, like nothing you've ever experienced. The the feeling that you get inside and, and and the chills and like what's going on and all this stuff, it's just incredible, man. It's incredible. And a lot of tournaments are like that. It doesn't have to be a major. Go to a PGA tour tournament. Go to an LPGA tournament. Go to, you know, a corn fairy tournament. These ladies and gentlemen are the best of the best. And to watch them play and do what they do. It's a it's a life changing experience, no matter how good you are. Keith, I want to change gears a little bit again and yeah. uh, get some playing lessons from you before we let you go. So, um, one of the things that I know that I struggle with, and, and so do so many of us, is with distance off the tee. Now, and we see these guys yeah. bombing it, right? We saw Phil hit it three sixty six, and we can only dream of of something I, I like know. that. But a lot of us would say, "Boy, if I could get another ten or 15, how much different would that make, you know, my golf game and the enjoyment of the game for me? Maybe I hit one less club. Maybe I could score a little bit better. But the, the enemy of distance is spin. So talk about ball position for our driver because I think so many of us may have it a little too far back in the stance. Maybe we're hitting down on the ball, which causes spin, a loss of distance. 
How can we fix that? So what I would say is in order, you need to get the ball in a position that's closer to the lead shoulder, right? Because the shoulder, the lead shoulder is the top of the radius of the arc. And directly below that, when your arm and shaft are in a straight line, would be the bottom of the radius of the arc. So we hit down on everything except driver. You could look at TrackMan Tour. Even the even TrackMan Tour averages, those guys hit 1.3 down on a driver, okay? But their average speed is 113. So if you're under 100, you need to hit up to help take the spin off. But what I would say is, number one, you got to play the ball more forward in your stance. Like, I line it up off my front foot, and then I flare my foot out, so it's kind of in the instep. But if you drop the club from my shoulder, you'd see it's, like, really close to my shoulder, which what you have to remember is the geometry, right? You read all the stuff, oh, play it inside your heel, do this, do that. If you're hitting down on the ball and you're not over 100 miles an hour, you're, you're losing power. So, number one, I would say get the ball off your shoulder so it's close to zero when you're at the bottom of the arc. Number two. And I know everybody fights me on this, but I've done a lot of research on this. And I shot this video in Golf Channel Studio, and everybody's like, what the hell? See it lower? I'm like, yes, see it lower. And the reason why is because most golfers can't hit it in the center of the face. They got it so teed up, they're hanging back, they're doing all this stuff, and they have a really hard time being consistent, like striking it consistently in the center. If you want more distance, you don't do anything else. You need to get the smash factor up, which is what we look at on TrackMan. That's the fastest way to hit the ball farther is to get your smash up. And if you don't have your smash up or you can't get it up, you know, then the third thing I would say would be to make sure you get fit, you know. And I don't know if you mind if I say, but Club Champions, one of the best companies in the world when it comes to custom club fitting. Every student I have, I refer there. Every student, um, you know, comes back. 20, 25 yards, sometimes more off the tee, not even talking about irons, right? I do the best I can, and if I can't get them close to the smash and I send them to club champion, they build clubs differently than most people. There's something about the way they build them. It's not overall weight, but it's swing weight. So they make swing weights a little heavier so you can get down to the ball and get that smash factor up. I can get everybody close. I know enough about mechanics to try to help somebody become a better golfer when it comes to hitting it more solid. But there's times where they're maybe, let's say driver, they're 40, they're in the 40s, 41, 42, 43, one occasionally 46, 45, but, but just not getting 48 the way they need to. They go for a driver fitting and they hit their driver and then club champion builds them a driver on the fly to um, show them what they can do. There's nothing like it. Driver I got from them, is the best driver I've ever had, and I'm 57. And I've been to the oven. I've been down to Callaway. I've been um, to the Kingdom. Uh, I, I can't even tell you how many places. It's the best driver I've ever had. So a couple of clarifying points there. You, you, yeah. you mentioning Smash Factor. For those folks that are going, how do I? what is Smash and how do I make it better? Talk about, so, uh, Smash- give us the definition of what it means. So smash factor is an algorithm between club head speed and ball speed. They divide the club head speed into the ball speed, and that gives you the number. And there's a tour average for every club. And the most important thing to understand is it's not about speed. It's about technique. It's hitting the ball first and then the ground with with 
wedge through three wood, and then otherwise hitting it in the center of the club face. So one of the things you can do is go out and get a bottle of uh, Dr. Scholl's foot powder, spray it on the face of your iron, your driver, and see where you're hitting it. And if you're not hitting it in the center, you better find somebody that can help you do that fast because you're killing yourself. You don't. So centered contact will give you a better smash, but it really has more to do with ball first contact and then the divot. If you look at the best players in the world, because the club swings in an arc, they're hitting the ball first and then taking the divot. So if you can learn to do that and learn to do that as fast as possible, like I call that the number one differentiator between good players and players that aren't as good. So if you want to be a better player, you better learn to crush the ball. Like that's way more important than anything else. I get so many people that come to see me and they're like, well, what about my grip? I'm like, dude, you're crushing it. Like it's good. You know, don't worry about it. If there's something that needs to be adjusted, I'll adjust it. But people come in with so many questions. I'm like, I want to take what you have and make you the best golfer I can make you. Right? So as fast as possible. And that and number one is always about the divot. Always. Keith, one more before I let you go. And and one of the dreaded sure. things that has crept its way into my game. It's the shank. A couple of times, you know, I swing, and all of a sudden I'm hitting the ball on the housel. The ball shoots straight to the right. You've got a drill that can help fix that. Talk about that. So I do. And what I would say is is I think it's a very misunderstood concept. And what I would say is if you're a righty, you're going to notice that you're closing the face, starting to hit the ball to the left too much before the shanks kick in. And that's because when you're starting to close the face too early, it's kicking the club head out over the plane. And almost everything I've ever seen about shanks, the club face is closed. You're trapping it against the neck, and the neck's what kicks it out to the right. So the very first thing I would do is, number one, make sure the, the lead arm stays closer to the chest than the backswing so the club goes more around and gets deeper behind you. That'll help you with a more in-to-out or a straighter path. And the other thing is you want to feel like you're holding the face open. So a lot of times I'll take my impact bag and I'll set it up kind of into out, right? And I'll set the ball really close and I'll say, look, you want to come down here and miss the bag. If you set an impact bag down, I have kind of a triangular one. So it sits at an angle and it, and I guarantee you a shanker is going to hit the bag way behind the ball because that's where they're getting over the plane, hitting it in the neck. But I would say this. A closing club face is always going to make you shank faster than an open club face. So set the set, get get a get a club box, a club uh you know a golf club box. Set it inside out and leave the majority of it on the backside, and you'll see you'll bash into that club box behind the ball way more than you're going to bash into it in front of the ball. So into out open club face gets rid of the shank quickly. I just had a lefty in here, longtime student, got into the shank. We fixed it in a half hour. Wow. On a big Well, Keith, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and and see (laughs) your website, how you what's what's going on on social media, and then watch your videos as well. Yeah, so everything is Keith Jarvis Golf. So the website's Keith Jarvis Golf dot com. My Twitter and Instagram are Keith Jarvis Golf. 
Um, my videos, if you just search Keith Jarvis Golf Golf Channel, you'll see all my videos there. And um, my email is Keith at KeithJarvisGolf.com. That's the fastest way to see what's going on with me. We do, we're coaching a lot of people online right now through V1. Um, I got a profile on V1. So send a video. I'll take a look. I'll tell you what I think, you know, and we'll make it happen. Keith, you're fantastic, my friend. I always have a good time when you're a part of the show. You make the segment so much fun. Thanks for coming back and joining me tonight. You are more fantastic, and I'm so grateful to be here, Chris. Thank you. You're the best, my friend. Take care. Stay safe out there. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Have a wonderful night. Tell uh, Brian Jacobs I said hello. I will do it. Take care, Keith. Thanks, man. That's a great Keith Jarvis. Keith? JarvisGolf.com is the website, and at Keith Jarvis Golf on social media. The guy is full of energy. He's got a lot of great videos that you can find on Golf Channel Academy. And then uh, every time he comes on the show, he fills it with energy, and I love that so much about Keith. Everything's positive. He's always kind of half uh, the glass is always half full, and just like you heard at the top, right? Possibilities. What's possible? Anything's possible. We've seen it so many times in the game of golf. It's a positive experience when you go play with your friends. You get outside and you get to enjoy the outdoors. It's always great to be outside. But on top of that, we see so many things that can be done with this game. It's absolutely the best game out there. And I thank so Keith so much for coming on and giving us more examples of that.